female folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what's going on. He ripped her face off! We actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. Hello, my little cupcakes. Welcome back to Man It Is, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. Whether it's scratchings, bitings, maulings, or clawings, we're here to talk about it. Some days we talk about animals being vitriolic serial killers, and some days we talk about movies where animals are being vitriolic serial killers and today we are doing the latter today we are doing an episode of man in the movies and we are talking about the 2007 creature feature rogue an australian horror movie which i watched last night with my partner and i'm gonna tell you it's a pretty good time so we're gonna jump right into that now please sit back and enjoy my uh my thoughts on rogue so Rogue is a 2007 Australian horror movie written, produced, and directed by a man named Greg McLean. Uh, it's about a group of tourists visiting the Northern Territory in Australia who fall victim to a massive 25-foot, 7.5-meter, for those of us who live in the real world, man-eating crocodile. Uh, the movie is actually inspired by an actual uh, real-life animal, uh, that of uh, Sweetheart, a massive, giant, male saltwater crocodile that was attacking boats in the Northern Territory in the 1970s. Um, although Sweetheart was never actually responsible for killing a person, as far as we know. Um, the movie is really interesting. It's it's a fairly it's a fairly good man in a movie, to be completely honest. I enjoyed it. Its runtime is about 90 minutes. Um, so it's you know it's not a lot of time to sink into. It's not like you have to sit there for three hours watching this thing. Um, and I had a pretty good time. So we're going to talk about uh, the plot of the movie first. So obviously spoilers coming up. Yeah, we'll talk about the plot. We'll talk about some trivia, some behind the scenes facts. And then we'll talk about how it stacks up uh, in terms of, you know, scientific, biological uh, realism, I guess. Uh, so let's jump into the plot first of all. So like I said, if you've never watched this movie and you are planning on it, um, there will be spoilers ahead. I'm going to go through basically the entire synopsis of what happens in the movie. Um... So if you're not interested in that, I guess just skip forward, right? Okay. Um, well, let's first talk about the director of this movie. So Greg McLean, um, I hadn't heard of him before, but he actually directs directed one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Wolf Creek. I'm not a big horror movie person, but Wolf Creek is probably one of the best Australian movies of all time. Um, I'd say definitely in the top five. Uh, and it stars John Jarrett. And John Jarrett appears in this movie as well, although he's heavily padded. I didn't really know it was him because he was so overweight in the movie. Um, but let's, let's just talk about the plot. So uh, our main character's name is Pete McKell. He's played by a man named Matthew Varton, um, and Pete is an American travel journalist who has flown to the Northern Territory uh, to write, I guess, a review on, on the, um, the crocodile tours that they run up there. Um, so we're introduced to him. He goes into a pub uh, and he basically has a look at all these photos on the wall of all these crocodile attacks. And it's uh, an interesting fact, a trivia point I was going to talk about later. All the photos on the wall in that opening sequence are, are real photos of real crocodiles and real crocodile victims, which is really interesting. So he, he goes in, he um, meets the... You know the the classic archetypal rugged Australian people in the pub. Uh, the, uh, the the publican offers him a a cappuccino. A what do you a cappuccino? 
not a cappuccino, a cappuccino, so he can use the machine. Um, and there's there's actually a really funny, in, like clever piece of writing. Um, he he talks to the publican and you know gets along with him pretty well. The publican's a bit of a loudmouth, blah blah blah. And then um, Pete goes over and looks at the wall with all the photos, and he takes a phone call, and um, the phone call keeps cutting out, and he says to the person on on the phone, "Oh, sorry, man, the the service here is a bit shit." And the publican hears that, and he thinks he's saying that the you know the, the way that he's been served has been shit <laughs> so the publican puts a dead fly in his coffee which is like very australian thing to do um so anyway after his little visit to the to the pub uh, he joins a small group of tourists who are going on a crocodile watching river cruise in the kakadu national park in the northern territory um the tour is led by a wildlife researcher named kate uh she she's played by rada mitchell who is another uh, australian actress who i'd seen before and stuff i couldn't i don't know what i'd seen her in and i looked her up and i've seen her in neighbors and a few other little things um she's she's got a very recognizable face but i just couldn't put her in anything other than neighbors um so yeah we're on we're on this cruise and we get introduced to to a bunch of different characters um i'll get into it a bit later the the one of the weak points for me is how the ensemble is underused but um we have some fantastic actors in in this so uh we basically have um we had john jarrett is one of the uh, travelers on the boat. He plays Russell, um, and he, Russell is, uh, I, I guess, his recent widower, and he's gone on the um, uh, on the cruise to basically spread his wife's ashes. It, it appears, uh, presumably, his wife's ashes. It's not actually. I don't think it's ever actually stated who whose ashes they were, um, but I assume they were. We also have Celia Ireland. Uh, she plays Gwen, who's like this uh, Irish um, Irish uh, tourist, which is great. Stephen Curry, one of my favorite actors, is there as well. He plays. Simon, um, he's like the big tech nerd. You know, in all the horror movies, there's always like a big nerdy tech guy. That's that's Stephen Curry. Uh, in addition to that, we, we have a few other people. We have uh, the Smith family uh, from Britain, Heather Mitchell, Jeff Morrell, and um, the, I've never seen either of those two anything before as well, but we also have uh, Mia Wasikowska. <laughs> Mia Wasikowska, is that how you pronounce her name? You'd recognize Mia. Uh, she was in uh, Alice in Wonderland, the, the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. Um, She's one of those like actors who Hollywood tried to make famous and it just didn't stick. Uh, but she's great and I really like her. We also had um, uh, Robert Taylor is the, is there as well as well as um, oh, who else was it? Uh, there was another character I can't remember. I think it was um, yeah Carolyn Brazer plays Mary Ellen. Oh yeah. So okay, essentially the um the the cast of supporting characters don't really matter as, as much. We don't really get to know much about them. We know a little bit about Simon played by Stephen Curry. We get a little bit about Russell. Gwen is completely like I don't know anything about her apart from the fact she's Irish and she likes to smoke. Um yeah, so we meet these characters, um, and as we're like, they, they do their whole tour. They get a, a great, it looks beautiful. Great tour. That's one thing I've got to say, the scenery, they, they film this on location in the Northern territory in the Kakadu national park. Um, it's actually really, really beautiful. Um, so they do the whole tour and then they're returning back. Uh, and then towards the end of the cruise, Everett, who was one of the, um, the, 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 uh, the tour passengers, he's an American and he's got a video camera. He spots a flare in the distance. Um, and at first he's the only one that sees it, but then they, the rest of the group sees it. And the group eventually realizes they have to go and investigate. They have a moral responsibility to investigate. So, uh, much to the chagrin of passengers such as Russell and the Smith family, because the wife of the Smith family has, I think she has 
has cancer. She needs medication. Um, they decide that they have to go visit. So they, they eventually come to this, uh, what would you call it? Kind of like a lagoon area. And they find a half-sunken wreck, um, which has been caused by something ramming into it. Now, I should mention as well, before um, before we get to this point, uh, the, the tour is interrupted by a couple of hooligans um, led by two men. So we have Sam Worthington, who plays Neil Kelly, um, which is like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like Ned Kelly. It's just a play on that. And uh, Damien Richardson, who I've recognized in other stuff as well. He played um, Colin. Um so those two are a couple of dickheads, essentially. We meet them earlier, and when we come across this cr- this crashed um, uh, boat, or this sunken boat, my first thought was that it was, it was them, but apparently it's not. Um, so they're investigating the boat, and then something smashes into the tour boat, um, splitting the side. So the thing starts to, um, starts to sink. Kate manages to just ram the ship into a, a mud island, like a small mud island in the middle of the river, um, but the engine basically dies the motor goes underwater and they are they are stuck um kate uh you know realizes that they're in the middle of a crocodile's territory and um you know explains that they have to leave the island by nightfall because the tide is starting to rise and the island will become submerged so it's a bit of a race against time kind of thing earlier in the movie kate explains that you know uh you don't need to worry about the crocodiles they never attack anything bigger than them um but you know, and the, and the passengers, you know, question her on this, uh, and she, she doesn't have an answer, she said, they don't usually do this, I don't know what's wrong, um, you know, she realises that because they're in the crocodile's territory, and they're staying there, it's not going to be happy about it, um, so, you know, they're, they're stressed, they're trying to get the radio to work, they're trying to get their supplies, people are starting to fall apart, and the moments later, uh, the radio starts working, they're picking up some music, and it turns out it's the, uh, it's the two dickheads from earlier, it's Sam Worthington and Damien Richardson's character, are, um, in their boat coming back up, so they flag them down, <laughs> the, the two locals just kind of, like, hang out there in the water, and then, bam, they get, they get smashed by, uh, by the crocodile, uh, and it pulls them in. I should mention as well, before, the, before they get there, sorry, um, Everett, who was the American who spotted the flare earlier, he gets pulled in by the un- unseen predator and is killed. Uh, and then moments after that, that's when the when, when Neil and, and Colin arrive. Um, they're, they're thinking, oh, like, it's just a big joke and Kate wants to bang me. Um, and then the, the, the crocodile comes back and upturns their boat and flings Neil and Colin out of the water. Um, Neil swims to the, to the island, but we never see Colin again. He's presumably taken by the crocodile. So night's starting to fall and um, Neil... Uh, and Neil and Kate have some sort of back history. We never really explain that. They've clearly got something going on. I'm pretty sure they had matching tattoos, which makes me think they were maybe lovers um, in the past. Uh, Neil makes it very clear to everybody that they need to get off this island. It's it's it, They need to swim across now, because if they swim across at nighttime, they're going to be fucked. Uh, so he comes up with this plan. He gets a rope, and he uh, he's going to swim across the riverbank, uh, strap and string this rope along by two trees to create kind of like a zip line to allow the other tourists to cross the river. Now, um, they, they, he successfully does this. He gets all the way across um, without being attacked by anything, uh, and he attaches the, the zip line, which is fantastic. He nails it. Um, they want Everett, uh, Everett's wife, Mary Ellen. She's sort of falling apart. Uh, she wants to cross first. Um, so she starts to do so, but once she gets halfway across, she starts to freeze in fear. Um, everyone's sort of getting you know, losing their shit a little bit, and Alan, um, who is getting really impatient and aggressive, um, and he's concerned about his wife who needs the cancer medication, and he wants to look after the daughter played by Mia uh, Wasikowska, um, 
he forces the two women up on the rope and himself and they start going across too. So the rest of the tourists are screaming to get down. The rope can't handle four people. Um, and basically, yeah, they're right. Um, so while um, they're going across, the rope starts to... Um, starts to slack and Neil uh, trying to secure the rope gets attacked by the by the crocodile while on the land <clears throat> and at first I was really surprised by this I, I thought it was really ballsy to kill off one of your main characters so early on um, so much so that I actually I wasn't convinced that um that he was dead I, the whole movie I was like oh he's probably gonna come back because we don't see him no he's fucking dead for sure um, <clears throat> so the entire tree comes down after that attack, uh, and the three women. So it's uh, who, who the th so it's Alan and Sherry and Mary Ellen and Alan's wife. They all fall into the water, um, and they all manage to get out, which is which is great. Um, however, they swim back to the island, and as soon as they get up, Alan's apologizing to everyone. He gets grabbed by the crocodile and just flung into the water, um, and then he's dragged under the water and killed. So. We've lost a couple people. Later that night, um, Pete comes up with an idea when he's on the little, uh, the, the, the sunken dinghy looking for supplies. He finds a big anchor, big sharp metal anchor, and he suggests that they hook the beast. They kind of go fishing for it while everybody else swims to the riverbank. Um, Neil had two dead birds, I think ducks or geese or something on, on the, um, on the, <laughs> on the boat. So he, he says he's going to use those as bait before they found the bait. Um, <laughs> Kate has a dog, by the way, named Kevin. He's a cute little border collie kind of guy. Um, <laughs> they're like, okay, we want to, we want to hook this, um, we want to hook this crocodile in. How are we going to do that? We need some bait. We don't have any bait, guys. What are we going to do? And one by one, one by one, the tourists all like slowly turn their head to look at this dog. And no, like Kate, obviously it's, it's her dog. She's like, no, you can't, you're not going to fucking kill my dog. No one else in the group for a second hesitates. Like even, even um, like our main character, even Pete is like, yeah, we should probably fucking kill your dog. I'm trying to bang this chick, but also I'm going to kill her dog. Um, luckily, Simon found, finds these two geese and they use that instead. But like if they hadn't found the geese, they were just going to murder this this dog and, and put it in. My girlfriend says that she thinks she would do that, and which is kind of concerning. I think I, I probably would hesitate to kill the dog. Um, anyway, so they, they find the bait, they throw it in, they put a life uh, jacket on as kind of like a, a, a boy for the hook and Pete waits along uh, to, to hold the rope he's gonna be the last one across so eventually uh, the crocodile takes the bait um, but it's so powerful that it's it's starting to pull the massive boulder that the rope is attached to into the water uh, so everyone's making a break for it um, you know uh, 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 who goes across Sorry. Mary Ellen Simon Gwen Russell um, Sherry the, the Smiths they're going across as fast as they can to try and um, you know not get eaten by this crocodile Pete's holding it back and then suddenly the bait the the uh, the boy comes back up and uh, Pete realizes the the croc is like um, it's gone he doesn't have the croc anymore so it could be anywhere in the water Kate's still going across and for some reason she's left the dog with this is when I knew she was fucked she leaves the dog with Pete saying, oh, crocodiles are attracted to the smell of dogs. The dog should go last, which I, I guess I think that's true and it makes sense. But at that point, I was, she was like, please look after the dog. I was like, oh, she's going to fucking die for sure, right? And she does, almost. She gets taken by the, um, by the, the crocodile. It does like a death roll on her and drags her underwater. And as far as we know, she's she's dead. So Pete hurries across the river and Kevin comes too. And they're in the bushes. And now we're into the final act of the movie. Um, and this is where I have a big problem. And I think I'll come into that a little bit later. I'll just finish the plot. So um, 
as the day's breaking, Pete is forced to like chase through Kevin through the bush because the do- fucking dog's run off again. He's not even a good dog. He's running off and he finds a little narrow chute which goes into a large cave uh, and, you know, Pete follows him in there and he slips down the hole and he discovers Neil, which is um, uh, Sam Worthington's partially devoured corpse, uh, which freaks him out. The cave is apparently the crocodile's lair and the dog leads him to Kate. And at first, I was so convinced that Kate was dead. Uh, you know, but Kate's apparently alive, but she's very badly injured. Like he takes off the life jacket she was wearing and she's just got oozing bloody, uh, cuts in her chest. Um, and you know, a bitten leg. She's fucked. Um, so Pete, uh, attempts to carry her out once he realizes she's alive. Kevin runs off, which is the dog runs out of the cave and you hear, uh, sorry, I just hit my microphone. <laughs> I'm so excited. You hear this the whimpering of the dog and then um yeah the crocodile has the dog which is that crocodile brings the dog back in and eats it and it was fucked it was so fucked up that's i was really surprised at how fucked up it was so um the 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 crocodile essentially eats the dog um i'm pretty sure it eats neil and then it goes to bed because he's got a full tummy pete's there He's still got Kate. He's still trying to get him out. He tries to sneak out with her, so going really quietly. And suddenly the beast, you know, keeps he keeps turning back to just check that the the, the crocodile's still there asleep. Uh, and it is, and it is, and it is. And then it's not. And then it attacks him. And they uh, he gets into a fight with it. He, he stabs the crocodile with, like, a, a bone in the head, which makes it, like, sort of get away from him. And it goes after Kate. Um, he then tries to uh, attack it. He gets flung, like he gets hit by the crocodile's tail and goes fucking flying like a superhero getting smacked into a car. Um, so eventually uh, he's, yeah, he's fighting the crocodile again. The crocodile bites like two or three of his fingers off. Like it takes a good chunk of his hand out. Um, so he's like dying from blood loss now. Um, and Pete essentially is lying against a, a rock and he grabs a log which has been broken and it's like really sharp and he points the sharp end outward. So this crocodile like lunges at him and it impales on the, on the um, log and ties and Pete escapes from the cave with Kate and he finds the rest of the tourists and paramedics were there. Uh, Kate gets airlifted to hospital and the rest of them kind of just exchange little smiles with each other. And that's the end of the movie. The credits roll. The camera focuses on a newspaper article detailing Pete's hero- uh, heroic battle with the beast and the re- rescue of Kate. And that's basically the movie. Plot-wise, it's pretty good. Um, I do have my issues with it, and I'm going to go into my sort of criticisms of of it now. So, um, first off, you have a really talented ensemble of supporting characters um, in this movie, and once we get out of the second act, we we don't see them again. They're gone. And that kind of bugged me a little. I wish I'd known what had happened to them. Like, we see them at the end getting rescued, but... It just seems, it was a shame. It was like, as soon as they got off the little mud island, uh, we just had to focus on Pete. And Pete, is, as much as, you know, the actor tries, he is not a compelling character in the least. That's why when we get to the second act and the, they're stuck on the mud island and Sam Worthington's character shows back up, I got really excited because he was a much more interesting character. I actually thought that they were going to kill Pete off. I thought that's how they would subvert the expectation and kill Pete off. And now we just focus on um, Neil and Kate, who clearly have a history, which we never delve into. Um, I thought that would have been a more exciting thing. Sam Worthington was just a much more compelling actor to, to watch for those, you know, for the rest of that hour. Um, but unfortunately, no, he gets killed. We, we, we get stuck with Pete basically, who doesn't really have like a character. He doesn't really have a journey. I don't, I don't know. I don't really like him. His journey seemed to be like, oh, I don't like animals or no, he was American. I don't like animals. And then, um, 
Yeah, he and, <laughs> and he ends the movie not liking animals because the dog he was supposed to look after got eaten and a fucking crocodile ripped his hand off. So I don't really know. <laughs> he doesn't have any journey there either. Um, Kate doesn't really have a journey apart from nearly dying. Sam Worthington gets eaten. Um, so yeah, it would have made a lot more sense to, to make Neil become your main character in the second act and kill Pete off. Uh, I thought that would have been much better. Um, yeah, and then once we get into that third act, I, you know, we, we had... Stephen Curry and John Jarrett, Silly Island, these great characters, these great actors, um, and Mia, Mia Wasikowski, huh? They all just left, and we were stuck with Pete. So I found that kind of boring. The final sequence in the lair is kind of cool. It's you know, it's kind of scary. It's pretty good. Um, the the killing of the crocodile seemed a little lazy to me. Um, I don't know. If I was the filmmaker, I would like. I'll, I'll try to explain how this works exactly. He's lying there. He's sitting there on on, on his butt back to the wall the crocodile is swimming up towards him he grabs the, the the log and just sort of sits there and waits i thought it would be cooler uh if he's sitting there and he's he's you know it looks like he's gonna die crocodile's coming up to him and at the last second he grabs the log and pulls it up just as the animal is like launching at him and he stabs him that way i thought that would be much more interesting visually uh but you know a that's not what happened, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, uh, overall, it's a good story. Um, I I didn't know. I, I knew the basic plot of the story. I didn't know exactly what the beats were. Um, you basically have three beats. You've got on the boat at the beginning, which is Act One. You've got on the mud island, which is Act Two, which is the majority of the movie, and then you got Act Three, which is in the cave. Um, I didn't realize that we were going to be stuck in just a few. Uh, places for so often. I really thought we'd be moving through the through the bush, being pursued by this crocodile. But honestly, most of it is just on a mud island in the middle of this lake. Um, yeah. So a little bit of trivia for you. Um, I went looking for this. Um, so. Like I mentioned, the crocodile photos in the bar at the beginning of the movie are all real photos, which is really interesting. Um, now, there's a scene where Sam Worthington gets knocked out of the boat. The shoot, he was actually delayed um, because there were reports of an actual real five-meter-long crocodile being spotted in the area. After several hours of Worthington being terrified to enter the water and ruining the takes, Greg McLean decided to jump into the water and have a swim to convince him to do it properly. It was only after that the scene was shot that they found a crocodile had been relocated several weeks earlier. That's really interesting. Um, the the rope sequence where they climb across the rope that was shot over the course of four nights and going back to that sequence where Sam Worthington gets flung out of the boat um, Sam Worthington apparently did his own stunt where he fell out of the boat and if you watch it it's actually really impressive he gets flung out of the boat which is very very good um, yeah Rada Mitchell uh, was the first choice for playing Kate from the director and he, she's worked with the director before um, Mia Waskowska, she actually got heat stroke during uh, filming of one of the, the scenes during a really hot day as well. So let me tell you about the uh, the story of Sweetheart, which is what uh, this movie is based on, very loosely based on, we'll say. So uh, Sweetheart was a 5.1 meter crocodile, which the Northern Territory, uh, there's Northern Territory folklores um, claim was responsible for a series of attacks on boats in the Northern Territory in the 1970s. Um, Sweetheart first rose to prominence around 1974 and was dubbed by locals as the heavyweight champion of Sweet's Billabong, which is where he gets his name, um, in the Northern Territory's Finnis River, southwest of Darwin. Uh, this crocodile frequently attacked outbo outboard motors, uh, dinghies, and fishing boats, uh, but there is no record of him ever attacking an actual human. Um, in July of 1979, Sweetheart was finally caught alive by a team from the Territory Parks, Parks and Wildlife Commission um, because they were scared that he was actually going to attack a human and kill someone. 
Unfortunately, while he was being transported, he got tangled up with a log and he died. Um, the cause of death was drowning. Um, which they say is probably due to uh, him being administered a muscle relaxant called Flaxadil. So, unfortunately, they captured this um, crocodile. They probably plan to take him somewhere like, I don't know if Australia Zoo existed yet, but, um, you know, or maybe the, uh, the, the Australian Reptile Park in Gosford, maybe. Or to any other zoo, they were just trying to relocate him, and they accidentally killed the fucking animal <laughs> because they. Uh, I don't know how it works. Uh, was he being dragged along the water or what? But anyway, the crocodile's mounted body was prepared for an Australian tour by Ian Archibald, who's a famous taxidermist. Um, eventually, it was placed on permanent display at the Museum and Art Gallery of the Northern Territory, which is somewhere I'd love to visit. I'd love to see the um, the stuffed body of Sweetheart. Um, the story of Sweetheart as we just said, was interpreted with considerable artistic license by filmmaker Greg McLean in the 2007 creature feature Rogue, starring Rada Mitchell and Michael Varton. Um, Sweetheart's dimensions were expanded two metres for the film, um, which saw an Academy Award-winning creature designer John Cox win an AFI Award, which is now known as an Actor Award, for his construction of the crocodile used on screen. Um, it's interesting that that brings me to another point. So, the one of the other weak points of this movie is the pretty bad CGI for this crocodile. So apparently there, there were animatronics used. Um, I actually I couldn't really point out to you when when it was an animatronic and when it wasn't. Um, there were moments where I was watching like where you have the crocodile you know, fighting the guy at the end, where it's, it's all CGI, and it just, it, it looks bad, it almost would have been better if that was the animatronic, you know, you'd be watching it, and you'd be like, okay, it's like, it's not a real crocodile, but it would just come across as, as more genuine and, be and better, it's kind of like with Jaws, when you watch Jaws, you're like, oh yeah, it's a big shark puppet, but you suspend your disbelief, I think if you did really bad CGI on Jaws, and, and did it that way, it just wouldn't be as uh, charming and stuff, and I feel like this is the same problem with, with Rogue, it just, it just didn't work as well, um, there were probably moments I think the animatronic was when like you just see the tail going into the water which was really cool but when you see the full thing um, no the, the, it does not look great there's just something about it that looks not not right unfortunately um, yeah but yeah it's a ma it's a massive crocodile it's it's really interesting um, what other what else can we talk about um, yes so uh, the the crocs lair that actually was not shot in the Northern Territory it was shot and filmed um, in a warehouse in Maidstone which is in Melbourne um, which was actually the same site for a much of the internal barn shots in Charlotte's Web. Um, the story was set in the rugged Northern Territory, and much of the shooting was also done there. Um, so lots of people would be surprised to learn that the island shots were actually done in a man-made uh, lake in country Victoria. The art department and the greens department being responsible for making the rocks and trees resemble those in the Northern Territory. Uh, this is interesting, a bit of music trivia. Knitting needles were used against the strings to make violins sound more violent. It's interesting. Um, the scene at the end in the crocodile's lair, the third act of the movie, um, they were all filmed in about three weeks. Um, and like I said earlier, John Jarrett had to be padded for his role as Russell. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Um, yeah, so there was also another movie released in 2007 uh, about a crocodile uh, attacking people in Australia. It was called Blackwater. Um, we might listen. To, we might watch that movie next as well. Rogue is definitely the better known of the two movies, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, the crocodile only has about five minutes and 49 seconds of screen time in this movie as well. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think look, that's pr that's probably all the trivia that's interesting, uh, that's worth pointing out. Um, the, the the movie was received fairly well critically. Um, 
you know, it, it received mostly positive reviews. Unfortunately, it was a commercial failure. So it was uh, made on a budget of $25 million, which for a film is, is not a lot. Um, but it only made $4.6 million, which is like, it's not, that's not even, a, that's not even 20% of the budget that was made for it. So unfortunately, yeah. The other unfortunate thing about it is it was co-produced by the Weinstein Company, um, which is disgusting. Every time I see um, Harvey Weinstein's name come up, it's just, it just, it sucks. It makes me less excited to watch the rest of the movie. There you go. So how does this movie stack up in terms of realism? Would this actually happen? Is it possible for a crocodile like this to cause, uh, you know, as much death and destruction? Short answer is yes. Um, we have many stories of serial killer crocodiles, um, including Osama the crocodile, but most, you know, most famously Gustav the crocodile, which we've covered in depth on this show before. Um, Gustav the crocodile has killed hundreds of people reportedly. And the spookiest fact about him is that we, have no confirmation that he's even dead. Crocodiles live for a really long time. Um, this was a Nile crocodile, Gustav was, of course. Rogue is about an Australian saltwater crocodile. Um, but they're very similar species. Uh, saltwater crocodiles in Australia can grow a little bit bigger, I believe, than Nile crocodiles. But Nile crocodiles, I think, can also be a little bit more aggressive. Um, of course, Gustav killed many people. Um, the, the thing about Rogue that's interesting, and they do mention it in the movie, it's not normal for a crocodile to uh, hunt down um, you know, the, as many people in a row. They do mention in the movie, though, that crocodiles have uh, an ability to learn behavior of their prey. Like, they'll sit and watch people and learn their behaviors to track them down, which is interesting. I'm actually not 100% sure if that's true or not. It sounds right. They give the advice that if you're camping in the area and you're filling up your water bottle down at the creek, make sure you do it at different times of day because the crocodile's going to learn, you know, what time to expect you down by the riverbed and attack you then, which is really interesting. Um, okay, so one thing that's not realistic is the size of this crocodile. It's like 7.6 meters. Uh, that's, you know, way, way longer than I think the largest crocodile on record. Let me actually Google that. 7.6 meters. What's the longest... Uh, the biggest, biggest salt water crocodile ever recorded. Um, okay, let's have a look. So 7.6 meters was the, um, uh, oh, interesting. Wow. There was one found low long, uh, was 20 feet, three inches. What's that? Um, <clears throat> Oh, interesting. Okay, so Lolong uh, was the largest crocodile in captivity. He was a saltwater crocodile and measured 6.17 meters. So 6.17 meters versus 7.6 meters. So the rogue crocodile is significantly larger than anything that's been captured on record. So that is that's that myth is busted. Um, it's not likely that a crocodile would continue to attack people. Uh, you know, once it's had its fill, it would go back to its uh, lair. I also one thing I'm not 100 sure on. They say in the movie that you know the crocodile will store its kill under logs or in a burrow, which I, which is true. Um, I don't know the cave, this weird cave that existed where you go under a mangrove tree into this burrow. I don't know if those really exist in nature. Maybe they do. And if they do, a crocodile would be, you know, it'd be a great place for it to live in. But, um, yeah, I, it was weird. It, it was a very steep incline. I can't imagine the crocodile being able to get out of that, but that's a very small gripe. So what would we rate this film on a, on a scale of like one to five stars? I'm going to say, uh, that I would probably give it about three and a half stars. It's very, it's a very solid creature feature. It's a good man in a movie. Um, I recommend watching it. It's really fun. Um, 
you know, there has some downfalls. The the you know the misuse of its ensemble cast, the misuse of CGI is unfortunate. But apart from all that, it's a fun little movie. Uh, it's worth watching. It's a shame it didn't do better uh, at the box office when it was when it came out. Um, but yeah, that that's my that's my thoughts on the movie. Let's give it uh, we'll give it three and a half. Uh, what do we call three and a half crocodiles? Let's call it that. Okay, you guys, that is it for my thoughts on that movie. If you've seen the movie, let me know what you think. You can send me a DM on Instagram or uh, email me. Whatever you like, let me know what your thoughts on this movie were. We're going to take a little bit of a break now, and we'll come back with the rest of the episode. All right, my little cupcakes, we are back. Did you have a good break? What did you do on yours? I, myself, uh, went and had a little shower, <laughs> which is not what I normally do in, in you know mid-recording of a show, but today I was just feeling a little, little dusty, so I, I thought I'd do it and come back nice and refreshed for our next segment, which is, of course, the Scratch of the Day. Scratch of the day, of course, it's the, uh, the segment of the show where we look at news articles involving animal attack, animal-human confrontations, and basically anything to do with our scruffy little friends, uh, or our, maybe you call them our hairy, berry worst enemies, and um, we talk about it. As always, I don't read these ahead of time. We discover these alive, but I have picked out three interesting headlines, and so I'm going to delve into them right now. The first one, uh, it's, a, it's a story we've kind of tackled before, but it's happened again. A 10-year-old boy was bitten and dragged under the water on Kingari, on a Kingari beach. Kingari, if you're not familiar, it's Fraser Island, formerly known as Fraser Island in Australia. It's been renamed Kingari because that's the uh, original uh, indigenous name. So um, let me read you what's happened here. You might notice we have talked about this a few times before. We've had a few little girls and boys uh, attacked by dingoes on Kingari. Um, it seems to me that this is happening more frequently, but let's let's see if, if the article talks about that. A boy has been bitten and dragged underwater by a dingo on Kingari less than two weeks after another animal was put down by park rangers for biting tourists. The attacks have prompted for renewed warnings for visitors to remain vigilant around the native animals and to keep their children nearby at all the times. The 10-year-old was walking along the water's edge on the sand island formerly known as Fraser Island when he was stalked and attacked by the dingo near a camping area last Friday. He was saved when his 12-year-old sister intervened. Quote, The family treated the boy for puncture wounds to his shoulder and arms and scratches and bruises on his collarbone and arm, Ranger Danielle Mansfield said on Tuesday. The tagged Wongari, aka Dingo, uh, dug up food scraps buried in the sand near the camping area. Rangers chased the area away from the camping area. Uh, sorry, rangers chased the animal away from the camping area, and we have increased patrols in the region to monitor the Wangari's behavior and pass on dingo-safe messaging to campers and visitors. Manfield said, "The rangers said the dingo was accustomed to human interaction, showing no wariness for people." Rangers believe this animal is one of a number of Wangari that have been deliberately or inadvertently fed, which is why they're showing no fear of people, the ranger said. These animals are capable of inflicting serious harm and have bitten children and adults, and some are quite brazen and are not fleeing when yelled at or when someone brandishes a stick. Rangers are, dis are, dis sorry. Rangers are distributing reminders for people to remain vigilant. There are too many instances where children are not being appropriately supervised on Kangari. This means that children and teenagers must be within arm's reach of an adult at all times, the ranger said. 
The dingo was euthanized earlier this month after, uh, sorry, a dingo was euthanized earlier this month after months of attacks on the island, including biting a seven-year-old boy and a 42-year-old woman. Yeah, like I said, it's happened quite a lot recently. It seems that it's happening more and more frequently. Um, the cause that the article seems to be pointing to is, uh, yeah, they're becoming accustomed to humans because they're being fed or they're finding food. Uh, it's very sad. It's very sad that it had to be um, euthanized as well. It, it, I think one of the things about dingoes is um, when we think of dingo attacks, of course we all think of Azaria Chamberlain, right? And we think of the whole uh, the whole legal battle that went around that. And the she went to jail. Uh, Azaria Chamberlain. Uh, what was her name? Christy Chamberlain? Uh, I can't remember the fucking mum's name. Azaria Chamberlain's mum. Um... Lindy Chamberlain. She she went to jail because the prosecutors convinced people that no dingoes don't attack people. Dingoes can't kill people. Dingoes can't grab a baby and take it away. And I think because of that, you know, people, you know, it's counterintuitive. You look at a dingo. It's a it's a dog. It's like a wolf almost. It's like an Australian version of a wolf. Uh, obviously, it would be dangerous. But people, I think, because they're so um, intrinsic intrinsically tied to the to the spirit of this country, it's kind of like the buffalo or the bison in America. People think, oh, it's it's more than an animal. It's a spiritual connection to the to the land and to our ancestry. Um, I don't need to be scared of it. I think maybe there's something to do with dingoes as well. You see a dingo, it looks just like a puppy, like a dog, um, and you think, oh, well, this is part of my Australian heritage. Uh, it's not gonna hurt me. And then of course it does. It drags you into the into the water and bites your little arms um yeah it's not good i'm glad that no one's been killed on kangari lately um but you know I, I, there are stories of people being attacked by dingoes quite brutally of course azaria chamberlain there was also a guy who went missing on uh the then named fraser island which we're going to cover in a future episode um okay next article it's a very small article um but a, a cpr has saved a california man who was attacked by a bee swarm Bees in Petaluma swarmed a man when he went to pick up his remote-controlled airplane near a commercial uh, near commercial hives. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't a wild group of bees. This is okay. Uh, this is from uh, Petaluma in California. A man flying a remote-controlled model airplane with friends at a Petaluma field collapsed after being attacked by a swarm of bean bees. I nearly said beans. Bees. California authorities told news outlets. Um, they're really interesting. Friends performed CPR on the man until rescuers arrived, KGO reported. Bees from a commercial hive swarmed the man on Wednesday, June 28, after he went to pick up a downed airplane. North Bay fire officials told KT, uh, KNTV. The man staggered away from the bee swarm that could not escape, his friends told the, the news articles. Uh, they picked on him. <laughs> It's like the, the bees are bullying him. They picked on him, and when he came back here, the bees followed him, so they attacked all of us, Victor Barbieri, another model airplane enthusiast, told the news. Kelly Bradley of the Goldridge Fire Protection District said, rescuers arrived to find bees still swarming around the man's head, neck, and chest. Uh... Apparently, the man is doing fine in a hospital. Petaluma is a city of 58,000 people, about 40 miles north of San Francisco. There you go. That's interesting. We, we've heard stories of people being attacked by swarms of wild bees. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. He must have just got too close to one of these um, artificial commercial hives and just been attacked. So that's really sad. I wonder... Um, I wonder if there's, I hope not, but I wonder if there's any legal recourse that will be taken against the owner of the of the commercial beehive. You know, how did they get so close to them? I assume it was on private property. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see where that goes. Not more, not much information there. If any more information comes out from um, from that, we will we will follow that up soon. Um, 
I do think there is a, it looks like there's a link to another news article, a related animal attack story. Let's have a look at that, just because that one was so short. We have a little bit of time. Um, this, this headline says bees... This is from June 3rd, 2023, so it was pretty recently. Bees swarm and sting an Oklahoma man for over three hours after fall. Jesus. Carl Amos was alone when he tried to escape to safety, but he tripped and broke his hip. Jesus. Okay. Um, this is from Maysville, Oklahoma. A swarm of enraged bees engulfed an 81-year-old man, oh no, at his rural Oklahoma home, stinging him all over his body for three hours, a family member said. My God. On the Friday, uh, May 26, Carl Amos was mowing his lawn in Maysville, around 50 miles south of downtown Oklahoma City, when the attack happened, according to a GoFundMe set up by his family. At first, it was just a few bee stings that flew, uh, a few bees that flew up to Amos while he was riding on his lawnmower. But as he got off to fetch a can of bug spray, more and more found him, his wife told KOKH. Realizing the situation was getting out of control, Amos tried to escape to safety, but tripped and broke his hip, the GoFundMe said. With Amos unable to move, the frenzied bees swarmed him, jabbing their stingers everywhere they could into the oh god, into his skin, through his eyelids, and even inside his ears and nose. Oh, this is a quote. They were going in my hair and going in my ears and nose, and I thought I'd better keep my mouth shut because those bulls, these bees will be in my mouth. My God. I crunched, oh God. I, I crunched them and then they didn't come out, so I blew them and then some of them came out and then I stuck my finger in my nose and pulled them out. Oh God. Home alone with a broken hip, Amos had no choice but to endure sting after sting, fighting to survive until help arrived, his family said. I said... Dear Lord, I'm going to try and make it, but I don't think I can without you. Workers at a nearby construction company called for help after spotting Amos, who was waving his knee back and forth like an SOS. The workers ran over to help, and the firefighters arrived soon and hosed down the bees, according to the outlet. He was taken to a hospital and underwent hip surgery, the station reported. During the operation, doctors kept finding and removing stingers from his body. Fucking hell. The hospital... Oh, wow. The hospital had removed over 200 stingers and is still removing them three days later, the family's GoFundMe said. After all this, he is in good spirits, but it will be a long road to recovery. He will require therapy to get back on his feet. Fucking hell. That is an, that is an insane story. Wow. I'm, we're lucky we found that one. Well, that wasn't the that wasn't the original one that I was looking at, but uh, we found it. Jesus Christ. That's, that's brutal. Okay. Final story, uh, it's a coyote story, one of our uh, favorites. Attack by a coyote that injured 13-year-old girl and dog leads to New Jersey Park closure. That's a three three American stories in one day. You're welcome, Yankees. This occurred in Maplewood, New Jersey. Two people, including a 13-year-old girl and a dog, were attacked by a coyote inside a park in Maplewood, New Jersey on Friday. Oh, I think it's coyote, isn't it? Is it coyote? Oh, I've had this conversation. Someone literally gave me feedback through email about what it is, and I can't remember. Is it coyote or coyote? I'm going to say coyote, okay? Wiley coyote. Yep, okay. The park will now be closed for the next five days. The attack happened just after 3 p.m. inside South Mountain Reservation off Bear Lane, according to the Essex County Sheriff's Office. They say a coyote, a coyote, I can't even pronounce it correctly, attacked a 13-year-old girl and her dog, who she was holding at the time. The girl suffered puncture wounds to her leg and was taken to Cooperman Barnabas Medical Center. Her dog was taken to a local animal hospital in critical condition, but is suspected to survive. Shortly after the first attack, a woman was also bitten by a coyote. All victims are expected to be okay. 
out of an abundance of caution, Essex County Executive Joseph N. Uh, DeVincio Jr., <laughs> great name, said that police closed Crest Drive and the South Mountain Dog Park on Friday through Saturday. However, that closure has since been extended through July 6th. In addition to Crest Drive and the South Mountain Dog Park, picnic and parking areas will also be closed. This is a quote. Under the recommendation of New Jersey Fish and Wildlife and in abundance of caution to protect the safety of the public, Crest Drive and South Mountain Dog Park and all picnic and parking areas between South Orange Avenue and Glen Avenue, including Locust Grove, will be closed for the next five days, the man said in a statement. Although the dog park was closed on Friday, the attacks happened back along trails where Eyewitness News reports reporter uh, Kifan Kim saw uh, hikers... So hikers, joggers, and dogs with owners aware of what happened. This is a quote. The first time I noticed anything was a cop car driving up the road there, and that was it. Jogger Robert Hansen said, It seemed a little quieter, but I thought I, uh, but I thought that was the haze and the smoke just from the 4th of July weekend. Others aren't that concerned. Because I think it's probably almost the same size as my dog, dog owner uh, Zhu Han Feng said, but if you have a small dog, of course. Police say they are looking out for the coyote and will put it down if they find it. They believe the coyote is rabid because coyotes travel in packs and this one was alone. There you go. Interesting. Three American stories. We have bees. We have, uh, what was the first one? We have bees. We have a coyote. And <laughs> whatever the first one was, my brain kind of stopped working a little bit there, guys. All right, we're going to finish our episode with a little bit of a beastly biography. to talk today about uh, an animal that I've actually witnessed uh, in person hurting people. We're talking about the goanna. Now, the goanna is a type of monitor uh, native to Australia. Um, there's a lot of different species. We're going to talk about the sand goanna because I think that's one of the most uh, you know common ones. Uh, and also, it's probably the one I saw as well. So, goannas are really big lizards. Um, they have an unknown... This The sand goanna, its population size is unknown. It's not a threatened species. They can weigh about six kilograms. They can live up to 18 years and they can be between uh, 1.4 meters and 1.6 meters long. Um, sand goannas are large and have beautifully patterned scales. They are greenish gray in color with small yellow spots over their bodies. These spots are most predominant on their tails and lower bodies and their heads have a yellow pattern on the sides. They are quite beautiful uh, animals. They live in Australia. Uh, they don't live anywhere else. And they're found in every single state and territory except for uh, Tasmania. Um, so they, they like dry tropical forests, temperate broadleaf and mixed forests, temperate grasslands and deserts. Uh, sand goannas inhabit a vast range throughout Australia. They can be found in northern and eastern Australia where they live in open woodlands, shrubland and grassed areas. They don't appear on the east coast of Australia, it appears, uh, where I've been. But when I have traveled up north, I have come into contact with these animals before. Um, Sanguanas are terrestrial uh, reptiles that excavate large burrows for shelter or shelter in rock encampments or tree hollows. They are diurnal and prefer to live on their own. These relentless foragers have a forked tongue which lets them taste the air. During hunts, scents are picked up on each side of their fork which, when retracted, brushes over an area in the mouth called the Jacobson's organ which identifies on which side the scent is stronger. Sanguanas are also good climbing trees and are really good swimming. Uh, these are animals, I'll talk a little bit about my experience with them. So when I was younger, uh, we were on holidays, I think in Queensland, and there were a few goannas in the park. And we were told, you know, like, uh, don't 
don't stand still near a goanna, and if it's running at you, uh, run away. What what these animals do, they're not, they don't go after people, but they can get easily confused. If it's scared, it's gonna run up the nearest tree. And if you're the closest thing to it, it might mistake you for a tree and will climb up you using its incredibly long and sharp talons and claws, uh, which is not good. I've seen that happen to a person. Uh, the the goanna climbed up his legs and basically tore his leg open before realizing it was not a tree and he ran into the bush. So yeah, it's not a man-eater by any sense, but I think that, you know, they are they are scavengers and they'll eat anything. Uh, so if you are a dead body, if you're a dead body and you're just laying there, it might go after you. Um, they eat virtually anything that's smaller than themselves. Uh, they'll eat uh, mice and other small mammals, small birds, crustaceans, large insects, other small lizard species, snakes, amphibians, eggs, and carrion. Um, they're seemingly immune to snake venom, which is interesting, and they'll kill and eat even the most venomous species such as the inland taipan. Um, so they're not really a threat, you know, they're, they're of least concern. The main threats to this species include the loss uh, and poisoning of their native habitat, poaching, collisions with traffic, and predation by raptors, which is like eagles and falcons and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're a really beautiful animal. They are not going to target humans, um, they're not man-eaters, but they are, can be quite, you know, dangerous if they mistake you for a tree, or if you're swimming and they try to climb on you like a log, that would also not be very good. Guys, we're going to leave it there uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Man Eater Movies. I hope you enjoyed our thoughts on um, on Rogue. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, go and have a, you know, a watch of that movie. I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. I've been on a bit of an Australian movie kick recently. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm loving it, really. I watched The Dry um, not that long ago with Eric Banner. Uh, so, yeah, I, if, I know a lot of my listeners uh, are Americans. Hey, we listen to you. We watch your movies all the time. Why don't you... When was the last time you watched an Australian movie? Huh? Go and support the Australian film industry because I work in it sometimes and it, I don't get much work. So if you it, watch more movies and I might get to be in some. Okay, that is going to do it for today, guys. Just before we go, I want to quickly plug the socials. Um, of course, as always, uh, if you'd like to chat to me, you can do so. Uh, you can email me, maneaterspod at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash maneaterspod. You can Instagram me at maneaterspodcast or at Jimothy Chaps. Uh, and of course, we do have the Patreon, patreon.com slash maneaters. Uh, if you have have some extra dosh and you'd like to throw it my way please do i i would really like some money uh and that'll be that'll be it for today everyone have a fantastic week i'll see you soon and as always stay safe because as we've learned it's a jungle out there